Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. everybody happy still new year ish or whatever you know beginning of the year welcome to go home bible you're drunk the podcast where a couple of ex evangelicals now atheist adjacent people who are living in sin question mark pull out their you know their old bibles and try to figure out why everything in there makes you feel like you were drunk or on substances so i'm tori i uh Grew up fundamentalist Christian, was homeschooled. Basically, if you think about being raised in a bunker, that was my childhood. Um, Because sin. And uh, yeah, so I eventually left evangelicalism because it just, it was was like, you people are not, I don't want to be like you people. (laughs) And uh, now I'm like a radical leftist atheist Bible podcast host which is the most ridiculous thing. And I also love telling people that because they're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, <laughs> I have a wonderful co-host who is also here. I am also here. Uh, my name is Justin. And I'm also like circling the drain of atheism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you will. Oh God, I love that. Comfortably, Sorry. comfortably agnostic, uncomfortably atheist. It's a slippery um, slope. <laughs> it, it is a slippery slope. It's, I guess it's more of a, at this point, it's like a, well, might as well. Like when you're saying you're an agnostic, everyone assumes you're an atheist anyway. Right. Right. I'm trying to get to the point where if someone asks me what I am, I can just say it and there's no further questions. That. Mm -hmm. Like that Mm -hmm. would be nice. It's like a a showstopper. I feel like atheist is like a showstopper for most people. Yes. Agnostic, it's like, oh, what do you mean by that? Or even Christian, like, oh, I'm a Christian, but not XYZ kind of but Christian. But not that, but not that kind of yeah, Christian. It's just like a whole fucking dissertation just to find out what kind of Christian you are. So yeah. so yeah, I think it's it's more just out of I don't like small talk and I'm lazy. <laughs> so I'm gonna just call myself an atheist question mark. Uh-huh. Abraham Piper, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, he tweeted like the exact same thing. It's like, I'm not an atheist, but I also don't want to have this conversation with you. Yeah. So this is where we're at. This is where we're and at. Since I'm, if I am Close an atheist, enough. you assume I have no ethical core. I can just lie to you. <laughs> if you're not, if you're an atheist, what is keeping you from killing everybody in this room right now? Nothing. <laughs> Run. <laughs> like, oh, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. 
we're gonna have this conversation a moment longer uh-huh um, uh-huh yeah okay. so yeah anyway uh i was a seminarian uh so graduated uh from that lifestyle a pastor for many years uh and enjoyed many things about being a pastor honestly um yeah. you know being there for um you know, significant moments in people's lives and mm-hmm. helping them you know make mm-hmm. you know big life transitions and things like that and you know being a, a constant encouragement like a free like free you're not a therapist but like yeah you're like a, like a rent a friend for people for people mm-hmm. and it's actually a, mm-hmm. that's a valuable mm-hmm. service i don't say that disparagingly some right. people just need someone to sit with them through life and i think a good pastor does that i think we all do actually yeah, yeah. everybody needs that everybody um, I, I just didn't like the whole i'll sit with you if you pray this prayer and accept Jesus and, and don't then be, I'll gay. be your friend and don't, yeah, whatever you do, don't fall in love with me. Um, <laughs> I wasn't it. allowed to be, I wasn't allowed to be around women because you know, Billy Graham rule. Uh-huh. Whatever. Whatever. It's not that like, like the Theo bros, if you're listening, it is well, not that hard. It is not that hard to not rape and not sexually assault someone in your care it's not that hard been mm. alone and many cars with women you know driving them to and from places talking to them you know significant moments in their life times when they're vulnerable and yeah. i could have taken advantage of them and it's not hard to just not, not do, do that, that. <laughs> it's not hard <laughs> and to my knowledge none of them have like falsely accused me of sexually assaulting them because i did not do that right <laughs> I think that you're, I think that the mistake, the theological mistake you're making here, Justin, is that you're making, you're making, you're making yourself responsible mm. for your own impulses and not the yeah. women that you are in proximity to who that is true. have control over your sexuality mm. because of their proximity. Yeah. The closer they get to you, the less, um, the less resistance you have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you're, the the more that your masculine brain is now their object of control. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's ridiculous, folks. It's dumb. There's no excuse for sexually assaulting someone in your care, and all of these people should be fired and, and probably go to jail. Yeah, or, or that's true. Experience a consequence of some kind. Of um, some kind. We're we're about abolition here, but a consequence that is significant is fair. Yep. So that was a rabbit trail, but all that to say, that was free. Yeah, that was that was a freebie, folks. Yeah. So I was a, that I was a pastor. That was that was my very long winded way of saying that. Was we pastor. both have ADHD, so like, true. buckle your seatbelts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're both in a pretty good mood today. So yeah, think, we are. So, but we, I think it's well. I think it's because we're excited about the topic of this week in evangelicalism, which I think is, is. just this week in Christianity generally, because it's about it's, animals. It's thrilling. And it's about the Pope and it's about children. Like, like you start a story about like, what I'm going to tell go you a wrong? story about animals and children and the Pope. Like, and, oh fuck. Like, yeah. Like, um, so what would be last week when you hear this, we're recording, this has just happened. Pope, Pope Francis, who, who we were very excited about, I think, generally. I think most people were like... It was just because the bar was so low, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's like, this Pope seems to care about human beings. Right. And might seem to care about 
people of non-traditional identities um, and marginalized folks. But not if they don't have kids, apparently, uh, because he, it was kind of an off-the-cuff remark. He was talking about something else entirely. I think it was like a Christmas sermon or something. He was talking about um, Joseph and fatherhood and how Joseph, you know, adopted Jesus or something. I don't know what. Yeah, right. But, okay, yes. But then he kind of did like the whole like pastors things like that reminds me of kids these days. And he basically said that people that choose to not have children or people that choose to have just one child or people that choose to love, you know, dogs and cats instead of, you know, having children are they're selfish is essentially what he says. It is a self, it is a display of selfishness. Yeah. And yeah. Were, um, I, I want to make sure I get the quote right because I don't, I don't want to misquote the Pope here. Can't, can't misrepresent the head of God's universal church on earth. Yeah, we see that people do not want to have children or just one and no more. And many, many couples do not have children because they want to have, or they just, they don't want to, or they just want to have one. He kept really going on the single kid families, but they have two dogs and two cats. And <laughs> totally and, yeah, the same, bro. Totally the same. But like this denial of fatherhood and motherhood diminishes us, takes away our humanity. And this is the way civilization becomes aged and without humanity because it loses the richness of fatherhood and motherhood and our homeland suffers as it does not have children. So many questions. Oh my God. Yeah. I I wanted to read the whole quote because it's like just the headlines of the Pope thinks it's selfish. It's like, oh, okay. eh. But then it's like, because you can't be a full human or you denied your full humanity without being a father and a mother. And it hurts the homeland. Like, homeland you have your own goddamn country yes you have a country inside a country allowed to fuck yes. so like what are you talking about yes nobody in your entire country that you possess you were the owner of is allowed to make babies what are you fucking talking about i have questions so many <laughs> like hmm. i mean this this is the long christian tradition of you know going back all the way to paul Shaming people. Men, men without children giving uh-uh. parenting advice that no one asked for <laughs> and is not very good. So, you know, I guess mm-hmm. he, he's he's firmly within his tradition. That's um, fair. That's an excellent point. But yeah, I, it's just, it is a strange thing. And it, you know, to, in a vacuum, I suppose it wouldn't be so bad to say people that don't have kids maybe are a little selfish. But right, but it's we also don't, like, yeah, that's not real look life. around. There's a reason that people don't have children. I think having children is selfish at this I, point. And I, I'm like, yeah, I do too. I have three of them and I can say that. I have like, two. Firmly. And I think that, yeah, I, I think that like, it was I'm like, I would love to have another baby and that window is kind of closing, which is fine, whatever. But like, I'm also like, this is that, that would be a deeply selfish decision. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> at this juncture, I'm like, have you just looked at weather in anywhere? just look at the weather maybe let's not do this to our kids yeah and 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 i think there's there are there's a lot of hand wringing about you know declining birth rates um you know here in america as well as you know even in europe but well i was thinking maybe he was talking about italy specifically because i know they've had kind of declining birth rates for a while from what i yeah. understand yeah a lot of europe has, has yes you know declining birth rates but Declining birth rates amongst traditionally European people 
you know, immigrant families don't tend to have declining birth rates in the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when he, when he, you talk about like the homeland. Yeah. And protecting the homeland with our children. By making humans. Yeah. It, it kind Where of have feels, we heard this before in history? It hmm. feels like a racism. Hmm. Where have we heard this? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's I don't I don't know I have there's so there's so many things that I could say about this this all of it is completely bananas. Uh, first of all, if you don't want kids, I think that's a very selfless thing to do at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like I love kids, like I am obsessed with kids, but I'm like other people can have kids and I can help take care of them because honestly, like, that's that's what I needed <laughs> when I was a new mom. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's that part. I do something that I think is interesting and I've heard, I've heard similar stories from multiple people, but I have uh, one in particular. So my friend married into essentially a, a large Catholic family. So her husband, his, his dad had seven siblings and they were all oh, married geez. So he had like six, 14 aunts and uncles. And so, yeah, they were, they were just raised. His dad was raised in this huge, like Catholic family and they all went to Catholic school and they all like did the little, all the things that they were supposed to do. And, uh, he, this, this man has one cousin. That's how bad their childhood was. They're like, we're not going to do that shit to anybody. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only time that I've heard that story where like, there'll be, like just a handful of grandkids from this massive Catholic family. And uh, one of the reasons that you probably shouldn't have a ton of kids is because then you're going to probably have to abuse them in order to keep your own sanity. Yeah. The the likelihood of abuse increases because your mental health will plummet. Decreases. (laughs) It will plummet. Yes. Yeah. Like that's, uh, you know, I, we have a newborn, um, you know, pandemic, pandemic surprise. baby <laughs> pandemic surprise <laughs> you know and a lot of ethical discussions went into you know that yeah but i also have a vasectomy now <laughs> i can say that i've been i've been public on twitter about that i can say that on the podcast so nice you see where i stand on that now but i i just yeah i it to me it, be, it just starts to become i think more selfish to have large families you know, particularly when a lot of people don't have the resources necessarily mm-hmm. to take care of these, you know, children. And the more we learn about children, the more, psych- you know, psychologically we learn about what they need to develop, what they need to feel safe, what they need to mm-hmm. have the coping skills to, you know, survive in this insane world we're dropping them off into. Mm-hmm. Um, the more we realize that, you know, smaller families were, were, you know, mom and dad can be as dedicated as possible tends to be right. psychologically better. And that, right. that is not to disparage someone who has a large family. If you can do that and that's, that was you, or you were a brainwashed evangelical, had a ton of kids mm-hmm. and now you're out, mm-hmm. you will get no judgment from me over that. At yeah. all. And yeah. if you have no kids, you will get no judgment from me because everybody's different. Everybody's family system is different. I just, I think to blanket say one option, whatever the option is, is inherently selfish and the other one is inherently virtuous um is is These displaying more this, little white bibbies 
yeah, is displaying this very top-down view of the way the world works, you know, where God mm -hmm. can just save these things in a vacuum and we just have to follow them blindly without... Regardless of what is happening in yeah. the real world. Yeah. And that to me is just, it's like, come on, that's bullshit, man. Yeah. Like, yeah Absolutely. Give the program. I mean, the, the, I mean, the other piece of that is like we... I mean, this is... <sighs> Us, this might this might be I assume part of why like we're going to lose Roe v. Wade is because there aren't enough white babies and we can just put all of the brown and black babies into jail but also like there's no there's no social safety nets in this country and so I know that obviously like the Pope was not talking about the United States when he was speaking of the homeland whatever whatever he meant by that it was not here <laughs> but this is, this is, yeah. I, I mean, if you, if you don't feel like you can afford to have kids, like that's valid. Like that is, that's mm -hmm. very, very, that's a valid reason to not have children. It is absolutely a valid reason to not procreate. Like I think that, um, for baby boomers, that wasn't considered a valid reason and the Pope is old. So I'm sure that he kind of falls under that umbrella of, you mm -hmm. know, poverty is not a good reason to not have kids or having a disability or mental health struggles or whatever the case is, whatever, whatever decision that you've made for yourself, right. Whatever that looks like, even if it is inherently selfish, like you're still making the right decision because you would be a shitty parent. If you do not want to be a parent, it's hard to be a good parent when you want your kids. Like that's still a lot of work. That's a lot of emotional and intellectual labor. And you might not see anything from that investment at all. Like fuck knows what's going to happen with that person. <laughs> Yeah, like um, you can be the the textbook objectively great parent. Yep, and get nothing. Yep, like that, and that's that can be terrifying as a parent. But I, <laughs> to me, it's honestly very liberating too. Like that's true. I, that's true. I'm responsible for doing the best I can, mm -hmm. and and that is a responsibility. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I do not control the outcome because I am not them. And they're, yeah. they aren't, they aren't mine in, an, in a progressive right. sense. They're their own person. I'm legally responsible for them. Um, and obviously I love them. Like, I don't want to, you know, like I love my kids. I'm crazy about them. And I want to have a relationship with them. Our Your kids life. are fucking rad. I, yeah. I, they're, they get more amazing. As sometimes I'm right. like, how in the world did this happen? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I am not as awesome as my kids are going to be. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's a dice roll. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every, every kid you have, it's going to be another dice roll. And to expect people in, you know, when there is no social safety net, when there is no support, when there's tons of shame tied to it and, mm -hmm. and just their mm -hmm. future is getting more expensive and more dangerous. Yeah. It, it, to me, it is morally irresponsible to expect people like, yeah, you got to have tons of kids, you know, right. in order to not be selfish. I think like, it's right. Yeah. That's manipulation. That's not cool. I think it's unethical to pressure people into having children for even for religious reasons. Like that's just not when you, when you're a person in a position of power, like that's unacceptable behavior, yeah. full stop. Yeah. That's where I land on it. Sorry, Popey McPoperson. Yeah. Sorry. We human beings have been fruitful and multiplied already. Just not like, the ones you like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've already done that part. We've, Check. we've gotten, we got an A, a plus from God <laughs> on the being fruitful and multiplying. We did it. Hooray. We could not do it for a we while. Could, and we'd be and okay. And we'd still be fine. We're, mm -hmm. we're an extra credit now. 
there's like what how many billions of us eight billion of us or something i mean i i think that there's seven but you know automation is coming so i think a good number of us are literally going to starve to death mm-hmm. so unless we can figure out something that isn't capitalism yeah. maybe the pope's onto something that <laughs> maybe the pope is onto something <laughs> I see that billions of you are going to die. So please have babies. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be here for any of that shit, yeah. but y'all yeah. might want to think ahead here. Just, just throwing it out there. God talks to me. God damn um, it. Okay. Well, anyway, that was fun. Well, that was dark. I took a dark turn. <laughs> start, start with babies. Sorry. And this animals. is how we are. This is how we are. You start with it's babies true. and animals and the Pope. That's also a good point. And it's not going to go good places. Not going to go. So, um, so if you need a drink now mm, to contemplate mm-hmm. your life choices or the future of humanity, or why you're listening to this podcast, listening to this podcast, you can go grab a drink and yeah. you know enjoy an ad that's coming your way, uh, and then we'll get back and we'll get into our drinking game as well as patron awards and our story for the day. Ayo, right. thanks. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. All right. And we're back. Uh, thank you all for listening to those ads. It does help the show. And maybe they'll bless you at some point time. I don't know. But um, something that you need. Something that like you Like Alexis. Yeah. Or McDonald's. Yes. That's that's our demographic, it seems. <laughs> People who drive their Lexuses to McDonald's. <laughs> Stop. Oh man. But but speaking of people that support us and maybe drive their Lexus to McDonald's, um Hell we yeah. have a new patron reward. M is one of our new youth pastors. And oh, they sweet. they get a life verse, you know, this straight verse straight from the holy book. Straight from the holy book. It is, you know, right here. It's leather bound, the one I use, which, you know, I think the animal that makes it legit. Yeah. I think the animal sacrifice involved. Probably, probably faux leather, but anyway. yeah, I'm like, that's not real. Um, nothing about this Bible is real. Burn. Oh. Um, <laughs> M needs a verse. M needs that's a verse. what we're here for. Yeah, that's what we're here for. So I'm going to randomly flip, close my eyes, and there we go. Um, Oh, wow. Uh, This is Acts chapter 21, uh, verse 28. It starts with this. Shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's a doozy. I'll read that one again. Shouting. It's like it's like a directoral cue. <laughs> Shouting. Shouting. Do it. Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and the law and this place. <laughs> Sorry. I was just thinking, this is a Denny's. That's what I wanted to say. This is a Denny's. <laughs> and besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. So yeah, Acts 21, 
28, M, that is your verse. Uh, may you bring Greeks in and defile the holy place while shouting. I love it. Something. I love it. It's great. I mean, if it only takes Greeks to defile your temple, you've got some other problems. Yeah. You know, Greek, Greeks are pretty amazing, generally. That's if they're the ones defiling your temple. Right. You, there's other things that are happening. Yeah. We need to have a conversation. Perhaps your temple needed a good defiling. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> if that's all Fuck. it took. Oh my gosh. Um, anyway, so that's that's your life verse. Hopefully, hopefully it sticks with you. Yeah. You can make some meaning out of it because you can make it mean whatever you want. We learned this in Sunday school. Yeah. Tori and I turned it into a, maybe the Greeks should defile your temple. <laughs> and when I say your temple, I mean, just like yours and you know, the plural you know, your. Um, right. The universal your temple. Yeah. yeah. The royal your. So, uh, but yeah, that's your verse. So our story today is a classic really amongst uh, Bible mm. verses that we would Sunday school read and giggle at yeah it's about Ehud a man named Ehud 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 I don't know Ehud 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 yeah and so you know if you're listening and are able to drink or want to drink and feel like you want to do so I would say every time every time we have a ref a scatological reference oh scatological a, a, a potty term somebody is, went somebody went to bible college yeah <laughs> every time we basically every time we talk about a, a dirty word quote unquote like poop or you know nobody is going to be saying poop on this podcast i promise true. i don't know why i said poop i think it's because i went back to biology bible college like, oh we're talking about poop um anytime it talks about shit or you know uh, or even like sexual references there's a lot of like sexual imagery oh, in this one too oh boy oh boy um, okay so any weird <clears throat> weird images that people are trying to hide in the text go ahead and take a drink mm-hmm. yeah because this one's this one's we're gonna teach you the stuff they didn't teach you in bible school today yes so, correct Ehud. the man the man first of all justin before we get started yeah. what is the likelihood that this actually happened um pretty low i'm gonna say <laughs> um okay. okay that's all i need well, to i know. actually did kind of look up a little bit of uh some text criticism on this one and it's the the theory is you know i mean it could happen i mean it's not this one this one as far as fantastical stories in the bible is not like totally crazy out there Fair. but i was it, just it, wondering if there was any record of king eglon of the moabites yeah outside I, I of scripture i didn't dig too deep into that i couldn't find it, either, of it so um but it's fine that someone could have done this or there could have been some assassination attempt that was embarrassing that's um, very valid is it's the ancient near east <laughs> shit happens every day so we're going to start, let's actually start, I did want to start in the very beginning of Judges chapter three. Oh, oh, okay. Just Further because back. the, um, so this story takes place in Judges chapter three. We're going to kind of skip the middle, but I did want to hear your take on this portion of it, Tori. And, you know, Judges chapter three starts, you know, these were the nations that the Lord permitted to remain so that he could use them to test Israel. You know, this, if you're like in the the kind of the timeline of the Old Testament or the Torah, you know, this is after the Israelites have done their whole Joshua genocide thing. You know, they're settling in and, you know, Judges opens up with 
honestly kind of a justification for why all these people are still here because you know in joshua god commands them to to commands the israelites to kill everyone everyone must die it's like well they didn't do that so uh yeah so um plan b making meaning out of anything um in i left judges, them here to test you yeah i left them here to, you know he left the nation simply because he wanted to teach subsequent generations of israelites who had not experienced the earlier earlier battles how to conduct holy war and then it goes on to list the nations okay um, so okay. cool cool really not into that so other groups of humans exist for us to kill so because god needs to teach you a lesson that's also why your grandma died of covid it's not because she didn't wear a mask sorry hate to break it to you god is teaching you something right now you just need to learn whatever whatever that is through being traumatized yeah they're here to test israel is what it is and and again we're we're approaching this from an evangelical angle right that's true (laughs) how it was read to us as children because I don't, I don't know about you, Justin. We got this, we got this all the time. Like yeah. this was like, at least yearly, we talked about Ehud, Ehud, yeah. whatever and, his name is. And, and yeah, how, you know, all these people, the, this kind of cycle that happens in Judges, you know, yes. the whole book is that, mm-hmm. you know, Israel or these tribes, this group of tribes does evil in the Lord's sight and the Lord gets all pissy the Lord gets mad at him and rather than sending a thoughtful adult to teach them he sends you know these bloodthirsty kings in to come raid and pillage and to oppress them you know sometimes for whole generations yeah yeah it's not it's not good and then the people decide oh we better do something about that. We ask God for better help. Better get our acts together. God raises up a man in almost every case except one that does a lot of killing. And mm-hmm. then and then they have peace for, you know, 40 or 80 or however many years until they turn from the Lord again. And the cycle continues. So, Which is, again, like nobody in the Bible seems to learn much. No. It seems to be a lot of repeating cycles is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, you know, if it's a book that is a narrative that makes sense if it's history it's like these people are stupid like there's some struggles going on here yeah you know that little leadership structure that moses gave you that that shit is not cutting it maybe you need a king and then because the kings worked out so well at least there was someone to blame that's true the the blame (laughs) trickled up so we'll skip ahead through you know there's this guy ofniel or whatever he is honestly his story is rather boring Mm, Um, don't care about that so Don't after Othniel cleared out a bunch of folk, you know, the Israelites did evil again in the Lord's sight. And the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel, which is an interesting turn of phrase. Hmm. And mm-hmm. the sense that, you know, that, you know, God basically gave his own promised land away. It feels like else. retconning, maybe. A little bit of retcon here. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they had done evil in the Lord's sight, you know, um, and so Eglon, you know, formed these alliances and he came and he defeated them and he, you know, seized, you know, Jericho. And, you know, for 18 years, like Eglon is essentially king of Israel. And apparently no one's happy about that. So then God raises up this guy, Ehud, which Ehud, the etymology of his name is basically like a bound right hand. Okay. Which means a thing about masturbation 
Maybe. Pornography. <laughs> no. Lust. No. Actually, actually, it was a lot more mundane than that. Oh, boo. <laughs> well, because like, so the tribe of Benjamin, when they're kind of ordering the armies, they talk about the Benjaminites being like people that can fight with their left hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. since Ehud means kind of bound in the left hand or right hand there's kind of a theory that maybe they did that on purpose like Hmm. as children some of these people were trained to be left-handed they they like you know bound up their right hands to like force them to be because that gave you a tactical advantage in battle you know just you know everyone's right-handed and all of a sudden some left-handed dude comes at you it's like everything's wrong was not Um, prepared for this so correct which is also like, you know, his trickery and stuff. So he's a tricksy guy because he's left-handed. And he's from the tribe of Benjamin. So right off the bat in the ancient Near East, he's a shifty guy. And so he goes to pay this, like, I guess they have to pay this tribute to King Eglon, you know, which is honestly Taxes. kind of a great deal. They're like, he's like, come pay me tribute. So he goes and he's going to go do that. And, you know, it makes reference to the fact that Eglon is a very fat man. That's what the, literally the translation says. Now, Eglon I, I think, a very fat man. I think, honestly, that that is part of why we read this story so often. I think that it was fat shaming. It's like, see, if yeah. you're fat, this is going to happen. Because, yeah, it's like a side of laziness. He's just sitting around collecting money. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And I, and I think also there's, there's, you know, your body is bad mm-hmm. to start with. Right. Yeah. But for some reason, like we've decided that we also hate fat people on top of your body already being a bad thing. And then I, yeah, I mean, I honestly think I was thinking about like fat shaming when I was thinking about this story. Cause I was like, that was, that was the thing. Cause it was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. King Eglon was fat. That's what makes mm-hmm. the story so funny for kids. And in retrospect, it's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It is like one of the, yeah, it is one of those things. It's like he was so easy to kill or, you know, he was deceived. Right. He was dumb. Like yeah. all of the tropes that you see trotted out about mm-hmm. fat people, which which are untrue. Like fat people are just as varied as anybody else because they're yeah because they're people. <laughs> but yeah, like the the, the very like this story and honestly, I don't even know that the story plays it up. I think it in the story from what I'm reading is more like it's it's laying out the fact that he's fat because that point will become relevant later. Yeah, I think the way I think that, that we evangelicals were taught. taught it was mm-hmm. yeah portraying him as this like fat dumpy like you know dumb guy that got deceived and oh he's so fat you know da, 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 da. this yeah, is I what can... happens when you don't serve the lord yeah yeah like he was cursed with fatness or something like <laughs> that you know that i mean that god knows where they would have taken this yeah so we do not subscribe to that by the way um just so everyone nope. knows uh, not into that i just wanted much, to yeah i just wanted to call it out because you know it's like growing up in that context I definitely felt like that was that was mm-hmm. like part of the joke or whatever, which is gross and dehumanizing and like not into it. That's why I wanted to point it out. So he's he is doing his thing. So Ehud brings the payment and then, you know, he basically tells the king, King Eglon, he's like, hey, I've got a secret message for you, King Eglon. And then, you know, like, oh, OK, hush, hush, you know, come into this you know private room, this well-vented upper room this is how the new English translates it you know it's a very in good, hebrew it says it was probably a bathroom <laughs> probably a bathroom you know that's a private room so first of all i have questions okay never mind keep going keep going the questions yeah. will will reveal themselves yeah save the questions for the end <laughs> of the tour 
So I have a message from God for you. And, you know, when Eglon rose up from his seat or throne, possibly toilet seat, you know, that's two or three drinks so far. Ehud, because he was left-handed and because he put his dagger on his right leg, because, you know, a right-handed man would put it on his left leg to draw, you know, he was able to sneak a dagger in and, you know, kind of Assassin's Creed style. He like pulls it out and he stabs, you know, Eglon. And, it, you know, it says that the handle went all the way in, you know, and the fat closed around the blade. And he who did not pull the sword out of his belly. In the Hebrew here, there's also possibly a few more euphemisms to Eglon basically shitting himself as mm-hmm. this is happening. And the dirt came out. I and think the dirt, yeah, the, what the, the, the translation says. Yeah. And the dirt came out. There's also some sexual euphemisms in, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense of the like the plunging this sword all the way in and not pulling out. So there's there's a lot going on here, um, you know. Essentially, in a in a way to make kind of a gross humorous joke out of this king in some ways, right. like right. they're going for the humiliation. Like this mm-hmm. is humiliation on humiliation. Like he who yeah. you know, stabs yeah. this guy, you know, the fat closes around him. He shits himself. Like it's it is a very a very violating scene. You know, this is Quentin Tarantino. Like reads mm-hmm. this, and mm-hmm. this is like perfect for him. Yeah. Um, that's who I choose to direct this movie. Uh, we'll cast <laughs> it later, but uh, choose Quentin Tarantino as, as my director. So then Ehud manages to stay clean through all this, leaves the vestibule, <laughs> closes the doors and locks them. So as he's leaving, you know, the servants are like, hey, and I guess he's like, hey, King Eglon's taking a shit. Like, that's why him. my hand is covered in blood. <laughs> I was assisting. <laughs> he needs a minute. Um, Okay, I have so many thoughts. We need to, okay, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> so, he, you know, the, so the sermons wait what the Bible says an embarrassingly long amount of time, <laughs> which gives Ehud time to escape, you know, to the point of embarrassment. I just think it's funny. Like, there's these servants kind of sitting around, like, should we go in? Like, oh, he's probably fine. Like, you know, if we go in, like, when, are, when he's in the middle of taking a crap, it's, it's going to be he's, embarrassing. He's, yeah, he's not, he's going to be mad at us. So, like, yeah, so don't want to do that. We better wait. I don't know right. how long it was, but it was, it was the point of embarrassment. Well, yeah, doesn't the Bible say it started to smell like shit? And that's when they opened the doors. Yeah, like, the, the well-vented room was doing its job. Inventing. <laughs> Inventing. And, and so they... <laughs> And they, so they find the king dead on the floor. Ehud escapes and they lead a, you know, the, you know now that they're in disarray because the king's dead, you know, they lead them in a battle and, you know, Ehud is great and they kill 10,000 Moabites, you know, all uh-huh. in one day. Sure, sure. And then, and then, and then they add this little postscript at the end that Ehud's son Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad as well. <laughs> the end. Yet. So, I the heard burning question. So many times as a child. I heard ah. this story so many times as a kid. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Oh my God. There's like, yeah, there's so many things going on here. And I just, I don't know. It's, it's like, I, yeah, I just, I just have questions about the things. Like, was your hand also attached to the blade as it was like, being pulled in which i don't know if that's a real thing or not frankly because i'm just like this is 
this is weird. Like you're okay. But then I'm not trying to kink shame. Like fisting is cool. Um, but like, I'm like, what is, what is, yeah. What's being applied here? Cause apparently like in the Hebrew, it basically, the, the word that's used is, is similar to like, um, like a mother's womb, the term that they use to describe his abdomen essentially, which is like, okay. Yeah. There's one or two words that's like, this is the only time it's used in the Hebrew Bible. So oh geez, it's, okay. It's hard to know exactly. Context but, is missing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he basically he stabs the guy in the stomach, apparently, and shoves this, you know, it's this relatively short sword. I think it's like 13 to 18 inches. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a cubit. Yeah, cubit, which could be, you know, cubit. something that could be hidden in on his thigh. Uh, and they only like, pull they only pulled up his dress on one side. Yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the funny thing. Like, oh, he's left-handed. They'll never check his right thigh. Right. <laughs> like, like, that's not how dresses work. Yeah, the security on this. Very lax. Know, the security is very, very poor. Oh, uh, let's just pat up his left thigh. There's no way he's got to make sure dagger on his right. That would be an insult to our king to be killed right. by a left-handed man. Surely he wouldn't do that. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think it's supposed, it's, I think this is intentionally supposed to be like funny and kind of a weird, gruesome way. Mm -hmm. Okay. That that kind of like bombastic, weird. I almost think of like the creation stories of the Norse peoples where, yeah, like Ymir is getting ripped to pieces and like his brains become the mountains and his, you know, like, you know, it's just like, it's like, gross boy. It's gross okay. imagery if you actually think about it. Right. But if, it's just, right. if you're just kind of kind of thinking about it, it's almost like a humorous kind of weird thing. I think that's almost what it's going for. Like that's why mm-hmm. I say like Quentin Tarantino, because it's like it's violence that's so over the top, it's funny. But, that it's like, okay. Yeah. Like mm, really? Uh, uh, like <laughs> really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's supposed to be the response it's supposed to evoke. I, you know, I don't I didn't write it, but you I didn't guess. write this story. I, no, I didn't. Wow. No, I disappointed. I, I, very, very disappointed. And yeah, and then eventually it, he empties his bowels, or the dirt falls out. Could be his entrails, maybe. I don't know. But gross, generally. And and then I guess you know Ehud couldn't get it out, <laughs> or decided to leave it. And that's, that's amazing. That's, that's the story. That's I don't know. And apparently we were supposed to learn a lot about. God. God from this. Yeah. Okay. What? What? Yeah. Like, what are we learning? What are we learning about? What are we learning about God here precisely? Eh? Well, eh? I, I do eh? think it's interesting. We do learn, you know, about the character of God that God tests people. Um which in, okay, so in you're in violent an abuser. ways, not, cool. not tricksy ways, but violent ways. Yeah. And that God, the violence is what we use to redeem ourselves. Violence and humiliation. You know, this this story could have just been like Ehud goes and kills this king, like assassinates him, mm-hmm. in like the normal mm-hmm. way you assassinate people. <laughs> you know, this almost is like a little like Boondock Saints. Like I don't know if you've seen the movie, but like yeah, where they like kind of accidentally become these vigilantes, <laughs> like and they just like these complete yeah. screw ups that like it's almost like you screwed up the assassination t- attempt so bad, like you killed him in this very weird like. <laughs> you know, not efficient way. And <laughs> now you're the hero like, of the story. Like, well, I really just wanted to talk to him. <laughs> he fell on that knife. 
Um, <laughs> okay. We all know what you were doing in there, buddy. Yeah, and so there, no there's like these, these like it's sexual overtones, but I don't think it's meant to be like that he raped him or anything. It's just more of like no, it's like the imagery I, yeah. of him being violated, and, and it's a bit it's it's over the top, but it's also what we learn about God and God's character and what God does in from this story is that God uses violent degradation to bring about good ends, and that's for, not a, so for a specific group of people. Yes. So like fuck the other guys. Like when it happens to Israel, it's wrong. But when it ha- when Israel does it to other people, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because they're know, man. you know, and 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 again, like you know, this is using evangelical eyes. This is again one of those cases where it's like this is yet another story that is easily used as a justification for Christians to harm and marginalize people, harm and yeah. marginalize Jewish people. Yeah. Like fuck. Yeah. And so it's you know, it's such a strange, it's a strange thing to record. I think, again, like as a story, like as mythology, it's like, oh, that's interesting. That's a weird story. But Mm -hmm. the way we're Mm -hmm. taught it is like, this is God's word. This is what God wants us to have, wants us to learn something from this kind of gross, (laughs) kind of gross, kind of funny story. Right, right. But like, okay, so, so the literal reading is, is gross, right? And I think that that's like, they were all, they were always trying to teach us like the literal meaning of the thing, unless that didn't serve like their political agenda, frankly. Mm-hmm. And then they would get all like, oh, well, you know, it didn't actually mean like a real needle for sewing. It meant yeah. this hole in the wall. It's all literal <laughs> it's like, until you have to love your enemies. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then I was like, no, no, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't mean that. I actually had someone tell me that loving your enemies can look like killing them painlessly mm, like, okay. like, or killing them efficiently something like that like um waging uh-uh. war against them in a humane way it's like what uh yes per- the yeah, humane like, wars yeah, yeah like <laughs> the many humane wars throughout history <laughs> like yeah like yeah I, I guess with a sniper bullet in their sleep. I don't know like what this is oh, supposed to God. mean. Like I didn't, right. I didn't really question it further because it's one of those things like when someone says it. You're like, okay, like, well, no, no, I, never mind. I, I don't want to question this further. I like, do not want to see. And this have a good um, one. I'm, I'm gone. But I got that's, a that is in the air. It's like, we're going to take this, you know, yeah, we take it literally until it's like, oh, loving your enemies mm, or rich people aren't cool um it's well. like well so jesus what jesus really meant was like loving your brothers and sisters in christ like your neighbor might cause you to sin and that you know and that's on them you have mm-hmm. no responsibility here that's their fault <laughs> that's their fault that woman was standing too close to you it's almost see and this is so interesting to me right the purity culture is very much like she was asking for it mm-hmm Right. Or they were asking for it by being children or whatever. By existing. Like, yeah. It's like having a body. It's like, well, they were, and it's just, it's just this very, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. And, and, and yeah, this, this story in the sense of like King Eglon, you know, was an evil guy, you know, because he was fat or, <laughs> right. or, or because he was the king of this nation and, and Ehud was a good guy because he was part of this particular nation, you know? And it's funny in the judges, like they don't even say like that they were good rulers. It's mm-hmm. just like they killed a well, bunch of people. 
And Samson, there was hello. peace in the land. That guy did not have his shit together, nor no. did he have anyone else's shit together. But he was he was the boss man for a minute for reasons. Yeah, like you know, the book of Judges is very much this like might makes right libertarian mm-hmm. wet dream. And yeah. and it's it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not. It's not good. So uh you you said something about casting this film. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's where we're at right now. <laughs> like yeah. we're do something light and funny, and then I'm reading it like this is oh boy, dark. that's a little dark. <laughs> um yeah, I you know, I I think we're gonna wanna you're gonna 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 go out with someone that's like Trixie, like um Trixie. Like, Ooh, okay. Yeah, like you know, like 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 Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Like well, you know, like a like yeah. a Loki kind of like figure. Like, okay. Okay, I'm tracking. Yeah. Handsome, but you mm-hmm. know, so that would be mm-hmm. Ehud. I don't, I don't necessarily want to cast King Eglon because then like you're maybe like still in Skarsgård with like the the makeup for like Baron Harkonnen or something. <laughs> like, I mean, like honestly, that. honestly, like King Eglon seems like a pretty chill guy yeah. <laughs> up until he gets murdered so yeah. like i don't know like john goodman like somebody who's a little <laughs> bit like right it's just like yes. hey how's it going and then it's like you get you get murdered by this tiny yeah. swift little kind of kind of femme kind of twink yeah guy yes. who takes yes. off yeah like a john goodman <laughs> that's how i'm saying like it. not psychopath john goodman no 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 like, no like nice, like, like nice, jovial yeah yes. jovial john goodman yeah like really play up the like everybody loves uncle john we're in the bathhouse just hang- <laughs> yeah sure have him come on in here he could take a shit we could take a bath I- who knows might, something might something happen, might happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes that's definitely that's definitely who i see playing playing yeah. <laughs> King Eglon, because he yeah. seems, he seems like a pretty pretty chill guy, yeah. which was probably why the like this is probably why the judges were like we gotta murder this man. Yeah, we must murder this man. He's he chill. Is, he's way too chill. He's he is governing us efficiently. He's only asking for taxes. Like yeah, he's not raping and slaving. Yeah, there's really not like too much. Any it doesn't seem like I mean I I may be missing something, but it doesn't seem like they're actually being oppressed in the sense of like being pressed into slavery or yeah, raped or anything like that. It's just like someone who's not us is ruling us. Well, and you know what, you know what's interesting about that, right. Is like this whole, this whole, like we have to make this as shameful for King Eglon as possible. I think is probably that it feels, it feels to me like the inverse of like, we feel so much shame because we were not able to defend ourselves from these people that mm. God said that we were supposed to be able to destroy. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of how I see that is like, like there was like this um cultural or like ethnic sense of shame, like in, yeah. in, in the 12 tribes because they had been taken over. And so I think that that they were like, the idea there is like we're going to shame this man as much as possible yeah they because shamed he us, shamed us yeah so we will shame him like yeah. twice twice as much right uh, right because there's no such thing as like an eye for an eye it's always escalation yeah uh, yeah it's always yeah and <laughs> always yeah. gonna escalate i could just see the movie playing out where like yeah chill john goodman comes in like and sees these barbarous tribes murdering each other. He's like, hey, okay, let's guys, get some laws in here that like makes it like a paradise in some ways. And then they kill him because they didn't want to be ruled by somebody else. You don't worship our God. Yeah. 
And so we will kill you. You know, you got to do what the Lord tells you to do. That's true. So yeah, I guess that's who, that's who we, those are our main characters, you know, and I'm guessing like get, get comedians, get like uh, Seth Rogen mm-hmm. and a couple other people to play like King Eglon's attendants, like just make it like this oh, cast yeah. of comedians. Oh, like, yeah, totally ham it up where they're just like incompetent buffoons. And that's the only way that like, yes, Ehud got away. Yeah. <laughs> like, bye guys. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Yeah, and Ehud, like, he comes back to the Israel. It's like, it's like, oh, I outsmarted him, and you know, mm-hmm, I'm, I'm amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like, it's just because they were just too like incompetent. They were also both. very chill. Yeah, the king surrounds himself with chill people. Yeah, with very chill people. Yeah. So yeah, like Jonah Hill, like Seth Rogen, like all uh-huh, these like uh-huh, you know actors yeah. that are just like, I like that. Just like chill. Like I could just I I would be fine watching thirty minutes of them waiting outside of that bathroom door just like, yeah before they're like starting to gag from the smell <laughs> are you okay in there uh-huh yeah that's I that's, should, that's oh, it we shouldn't go in he's really i mean he's really doing he's doing some work in there um it's like so that's indeed. a really valid reason to not bust into someone right <laughs> like yeah, especially like, the king yeah like Clearly, he is working on something in there. We need to leave him alone. We don't want to embarrass him. So, yeah, you definitely. All right. I guess I'm, I'm seeing this. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. how we redeem mm-hmm. this story. We yeah. make it a comedy. Yeah. Um, and Do you feel like there's anything that can be, like, anything moral or ethical that can be learned from this? I mean, I, I think the angle of, like, having someone who would have been seen by society as maybe untrustworthy, like Ehud, like being left-handed, you know, being the one that ultimately delivers the oppressed. Mm-hmm. That's not a that's 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 not a bad theme. I don't like think that's a bad thing. How it's executed um, is a little problematic by today's standards, but uh, yeah. But that's also a theme too in Judges because the next story is Deborah and Jael. You know, mm. where she shoves a mm-hmm. tent peg in the guy's head. Yeah. Um, which also sexual imagery, you know, or sexual overtones there too, mm-hmm. and humiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So just not quite as graphic, I think, as Ehud, you know, or maybe I don't know, she gets a pass because it's a tent peg. I know we talked about this one in another one. I don't know why. What are the rules? This one is more cringy, but it is. Um, so you know, I think that, that is that's not a bad theme to play on. The people you do not expect, or the people that maybe weren't equipped to live in society as normal, are the Hmm. ones best equipped to live in society as not normal. You know, I think those are those are good themes. Special skills. Um, Yeah, yeah. That's I'm into that. I'm into that. That's a good. That's a framing that isn't. uh, Yeah, that isn't like God told me to come kill you. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, he even says in the story, "I have a message from God," and then stabs him. Like, like, okay. Some mm-hmm. Godfather. Bullshit. God, God was busy, so he sent me. <laughs> yeah, God couldn't like God's. I couldn't find his knife. It was in his other purse, so yeah. I'm. I was here. <laughs> yeah, I've got this one strapped to my thigh. You'll um, never find it. You know, <laughs> it's, so, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh, they would never. They they would never suspect. Suspect. Yeah. Like, yeah, they've I, never heard of left handed people before, even I though keep, it's like I one in seven back, or one in nine people. 
I keep going back to this idiocracy angle to this movie, like that everyone's dumb. Like even even Ehud is dumb. Like he just like yeah, and he just like accidentally becomes the hero of the story. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yep. (laughs) That's that's what I like the most about this one. So yeah, I think we did it. Anything to add? I think so. My only my only ad is I'm like I'm Team King Eglon now. I switched sides. Yeah. Um. Um. We are Eglon. Yeah. Eglon. 2022. Like can't be worse than the shit we have now I'm team I'm not mean for that to include shit in it that was yeah. just i'm sorry <laughs> oh god king eglon less shitty than what we have now. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just i'm sorry that was not okay another bumper cool. sticker we'll have to make mm-hmm. um, i think so all right all right for more humor scatological references and general hot takes on the bible uh, you can check us out at Twitter at GoHomeBible dot dot com. My God, GoHomeBible at, go home at Twitter at Twitter uh, at the Twitters dot com. Uh, also on Instagram, same handle. If you want to follow me, uh, I'm Justin D Gentry uh, on Twitter, and Tori is at Tori Glass on Twitters. Yep, on the things. On the um, things. Yeah, thank you very much for checking us out. If you can support us monetarily, consider joining our Patreon. You get uh, episodes a little bit early, as well as ad-free episodes and a few other bells and whistles like live verses that are obviously amazing. <laughs> change um, the course of your life. Well, it might change the course of your life. Or if you can't do that, that's fine. A five-star review on iTunes is great. Also, written reviews are even better. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a lot. We have a lot of reviews, which is excellent. We have a lot of five star reviews that are excellent. A couple one stars, and they cheated because they didn't write the review. And that bothers <laughs> me. Um, but r- five star written reviews, you know, would be. You're only good. accepting five stars at this time. At we'll this let time. you know when that changes. <laughs> yeah. If you want to write a one star review, you have to write it. Yeah. You have to earn that. So we can talk about. So we can talk about. How much we suck. But no, a five-star review would be excellent and you know very much appreciated. And you know, share with share it with a friend if you're like, yep. yeah, hey, yeah. we we were taught the story as children and it's gruesome and horrific. And why did they do that to us? And I mean you can laugh about it. Have a drink. All right. Thanks Perfect. everybody. Yeah. Have a great week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.